Instead of focusing on the hard part, what hospice has taught me is to focus on life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's Important to You. What's Important to You is a podcast created by the Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Center for Learning. And this podcast is designed to give intriguing insight and new perspectives on often overlooked end-of-life topics. I'm your host, Beza Gabrihana. In today's episode, we will actually be discussing what it means to be a hospice social worker. So as we are recording this, we are going through the coronavirus outbreak here um, in the U.S. and all over the world. So many of us are um, feeling the effects of the virus and we're, you know, practicing self-isolation. And as we all, you know, stay at home to help protect ourselves, our family, and the healthcare workers, we, um, we here at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice wanted to take the time to recognize and celebrate one group of healthcare professionals who are at the forefront of responding to the COVID-19 or coronavirus outbreak. And those uh, group of people are the social workers. Um, Social workers are also at the heart of hospice and palliative care, and the reason why we we wanted to focus on social workers in this episode is because March is actually Social Workers Month. The National Association of Social Workers actually dedicates a whole full month to recognize the important work these group of healthcare professionals provide to you know patients, families, and the community as a whole. And the you know the crucial role social workers play is very much evident now more than ever. And right now, social workers are in a unique position to help address um, the anxiety and um, other concerns that are arising as a result of this public health crisis. So to help shine light and understand the exceptional work that social workers do, especially hospice social workers, I'm interviewing one of our own social worker, Beth Kragmeyer. Beth is a clinical social worker with us and uh, she has many years of experience and wisdom. She started working at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice in 2007, and her journey began as um, a hospice at home social worker where she primarily saw patients um, in their own homes or wherever they called home. Um, but Beth also has experience providing care to patients in different levels of care, including acute care, and I'm going to have her say a little bit more about that later on. Beth, it's such an honor to have you here with us. So to get us started, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Good afternoon. My name is Beth Kreimeyer. I am a social worker with Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. As as Beza said, I have been here since 2007. I have really enjoyed working with our families and with our patients and best of all with our staff here. Being a social worker is just a very special, sacred opportunity to share the lives of our families. I've been in home care most of the time that I have been with Montgomery Hospice. However, I also worked at Casey House. I've done weekend work. So anything that a social worker, almost anything a social worker can do at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice, I've had the privilege to do. What is it about hospice and end-of-life care that like speaks to you? 
Um, I'm a storyteller, and so I love to gather the stories of the people that we visit. And so I have the opportunity when I visit each family. It's a sacred time, a very intimate time in their family. They are hurting many of them. They are scared, and they don't want to be forgotten. So I have the privilege as a social worker to listen to those stories. They're confidential, of course. We would never give anyone's name. But as a story keeper, I have the privilege of sharing the stories when appropriate with other families, and they find it a great comfort. So Beth, I've known you for almost four years now, and I know you, you have a very intriguing story behind why you became a social worker. You have expressed to me your deep interest in policy and advocacy, and I think our listeners would appreciate hearing how you bring your experience in, the, um, in that arena to the work you do here at Montgomery Hospice. Um, so I'm going to just let you tell us your story, how you became a, a social worker and why you chose this field. I had been a policy person before. Um, I have a master's of forensic science. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first woman in their program. And um, so I was interested in healthcare policy and advocacy. That was always my passion, was that people have the right to understand what's going on in their lives. They have the right to informed consent. But then I started wondering, are the policies and plans helping anybody? Does it have any meaning to anyone? Are people benefiting from what we do? And so I started volunteering, um, teaching. English as a second language to people who are deaf to find out if I'd be any good at all in working with people directly. I also had a chance to take care of my own parents, and there was no social worker. There was no one to help. I just kind of had to figure it out for myself. So in doing the volunteer work, I found that working one-on-one with people was where I wanted to be. So while working full-time in the policy field, I went back to school to study social work full-time. And never looked back. I've always been very happy with doing the one-on-one. I still use my advocacy that I learned as a policy analyst, but I worked also as a as an intern for uh, Congresswoman Spellman. And so I use those skills of advocacy when our families are in need um, to take advantage of some of the opportunities out in the community is to access them, whether it be calling the constituent office of a member of Congress um, or calling up different agencies. And and that's one of the things I've also taught other social workers is that you can pick up the phone, you can call a senator or a congressperson's office, you can ask for their constituent person to help you help your patients. And so um, I would say that I've combined in social work all the skills I had before I came. Can you explain what the role of a hospice social worker is specifically and how you support patients and their families as well as what your goal is when you're caring for patients and their families? Um, As the hospice social worker, we are the connection, oftentimes the liaison between the medical side and the more emotional side of care. We want, first and foremost, our patients to be comfortable, to be in a good environment, to be well cared for. So the social worker has the privilege of being able to help the health care team, the doctors, the nurses, and the chaplains to hear what the families want. So the social worker helps to advocate for those needs, whether it be community services or it's symptom management, pain control. Um, the social worker is the voice of the families and of the patients when they're too weak to speak for themselves. 
I love hearing that. What you're saying is that social workers are not only um, connecting patients and families with community-based resources, but also they're advocating for patients and, and patients' needs, and, and that's amazing. So looking at social workers from the interdisciplinary perspective, what do you think makes you the key part of the team? In the interdisciplinary team perspective, the doctors and nurses and chaplains and volunteers, they they look to understand who the person is, who the family is, so that when they're serving on their end, we are able to share what each discipline can offer. So the social worker is looking at the grief reactions. We're looking at the idea that families are facing death and they may need the the spiritual counselor to be able to help them to make that journey. They need the nurses and the doctors because they're afraid of being in pain or having other symptoms. And so we really work truly as a team. We don't always stay in our own lanes because whatever a family or a patient needs, we're the first responders in each discipline works together to provide that comfort. So as you said, hospice is a team approach. When someone is admitted to hospice or this program, they're assigned an interdisciplinary team, which typically consists of a physician, a social worker, a nurse, a CNA, and sometimes a volunteer. How do you all communicate with one another to ensure that there is continuity and consistency in patient plan of care? Well, we're fortunate that Montgomery Hospice has always been ahead of the curve in terms of technology. Mm -hmm. So we have phones and we can text each other and we can email each other. So we are in constant communication with one another. And even in challenging times, we always know that the other one is there. And so we never hesitate to contact each other and cover for one another another if we know that we're not going to be able to reach a family or we know that a family would better benefit, say, from the spiritual counselor, we have the opportunity to contact them right away and say, please call this family. So we stay continuously connected. And then every other week we meet as an interdisciplinary team, doctors, nurses, chaplains, social workers, volunteer managers, um, nurse practitioners who is ever needed and we have a face-to-face meeting every two weeks so that we can discuss the needs of each patient and family. Oh, very nice. How often do you see patients? It truly depends. Um, The Medicare guidelines are one to two times a month, but it really depends upon what the individual family or patient needs. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's an extra visit. Because each family is so different, some of them are, I know you're there. I'll call you if I need you. Um, I have one family who just lost their loved one today, and my phone contact was the primary form for this particular family. And the son felt very very comforted and very connected. All he needed was phone calls. Other families want you to have lunch with them, to to be with them face to face. So it's truly dependent upon what the patient and family needs. So what I'm hearing you say is that the social work profession is so much about promoting human relations. And I wanted to talk to you about our current situation. At this point in time, most people around the world are, you know, as I said earlier, practicing social distancing in an effort to slow down the COVID-19 outbreak. And we are all isolating ourselves and our organizations are disconnecting and limiting face-to-face services. 
how are you maintaining human relations and connecting with patients and families right now? That's a wonderful question, and it's especially important right now. Um, because families do uh, feel the need to stay in, they are scared. Um, they want that connection, but they're afraid of letting people into their homes. The group homes are shutting down, not to give care, but to be closed, to be protective. The nursing homes and families are scared. And so what we try to do is use phone calls. I just was counseling a manager of a series of group homes of how to keep calm in her facility, talking about how to make our voices soothing, how to use words that match where someone is, using I statements. I understand that you're scared. I understand how you feel. I know that this is a lonely time. So joining them in their isolation, in their grief, answering comments, concrete questions like, oh, you're having pain, let me call the nurse and have her call you. So we're able to use the phone to maintain that contact with facility staff, with families, and sometimes with patients themselves, so they do have that connection. Oh, wow, I really like that suggestion. So as I've mentioned earlier on, March is Social Work Month, and the theme for this, this year is actually Generation Strong. And um, the theme itself has various meanings, including, you know, putting an emphasis on the importance of looking back and honoring the powerful, positive impact social work profession had on our society for generations. So how do you see this theme translating into the work hospice social workers do? We, uh, as social workers, we run the gamut of ages to to the very young comparatively speaking, um, people who are fairly recently out of social work school to those of us who have been doing it for quite a while, we pass along our knowledge to one another. And and that's been the beauty of working together because the, the younger social workers have new theoretical knowledge that they like to share. And then you have those of us who've been doing it a while and we have the practical experience that we have to share. And so oftentimes the, the newer or even just being newer, it may not even be necessarily age. It may be that they're newer to Montgomery Hospice. And so how do I use my software and where do I find resources in the community? And so one of the beauties of the Montgomery Hospice social workers is that we are constantly emailing one another. We ask questions. We pick one another's brains so that even though we don't see one another because we're all out in the community, we still stay in very close contact both generationally and experientially through um, the uh, the services that Montgomery Hospice, again, the technology that Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice gives us. So, Beth, what is something um, valuable that working in this field has taught you? Um, it's taught me to maintain a sense of humor, to be joyful, um, it, even in the midst of very serious and scary times like we are right now. For example, when I call my families, because I know they're isolated, I'll say something like, Pretend we're in a snowstorm. Do you have enough medication? Do you have questions for the nurse? Do you have enough food? And so instead of focusing on the hard part, what hospice has taught me is to focus on life. So when I meet a family for the first time and I ask them what's most important to you, I also say, how do you want to live? While you're waiting for things to happen, what do you want to do to stay busy? So working in hospice care has taught me how to focus on quality of life, not so much quantity of life. So hospice 
services um, enters people's um, lives during a very delicate time in their life. How do you navigate helping two different entities? Um, I mean, you know, the patients and their families. Well, the first time that that we go out to meet a family, we often bring the chaplain, the nurse, and the social worker as a team. We promise them that we won't all three visit at the same time after that because it can be a lot, but we hear their stories, what I talked about earlier. And so sometimes subsequent visits might be meeting with the daughter because she's feeling overwhelmed or having a family meeting where the daughter has eight or nine aunts and uncles and no one is helping her take care of her loved one. So we might, as social workers, have a family meeting. So we're meeting the needs of the daughter who has to balance between work, family, and taking care of her parent, as well as the the patient themselves feeling that they're heard and acknowledged. Um, and some ways we do both is by bringing the team together when we have a patient who has a very short life expectancy, according to our nurses and doctors, we want to build memories for both the family and comfort for the patient. So Montgomery Hospice is fortunate. We have music therapy. We have aromatherapy. We have a a choir volunteer that sings at bedside. And when I had a patient who was only going to live two, three more days, according to our nurse and doctor, we brought in all the complementary therapies, not at the same time, but we brought in the music and we brought in the massage and we brought in the sweet aromas. And when I called the family afterward, their memory was Thank you for making the last few days of my mom special. So by focusing on on taking care of the patient, sometimes that's exactly what the family needs. So I'm guessing that you, like the rest of us, have been feeling the stress of the coronavirus. What have you personally been doing to stay calm and centered? I'm a woman of faith, and I have a belief in God, and I believe that I'm not out here by myself. I do ask for um, His grace and His wisdom to help me to help people. And I find that comforting that I don't have to do this on my own. I love to dance and I do Israeli dancing, although I think unfortunately right now it's temporary. So walking um, with my family, with my dog, I find very comforting. And one of my sons asked me, he can't figure out who likes to walk more, me or the dog. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I just find being outside very, you know, just being in nature is just, it's a gift. And so when I feel um, overwhelmed from the work that we do, I will take a walk. But in all honesty, just being with our families and patients and just being able to, to touch their lives, sometimes that's all I need to center myself, is just knowing that we are here for them. So... This would be my last question, and I wanted to ask this question because especially now, we I am getting it, and I think a lot of our clinicians are getting it, and it is the question of now more than ever, isn't it depressing to be in this field, specifically in the field of hospice and palliative care? What is your response to that? And I have my own, which is I, you know, I find it fulfilling, But I want to hear your response to those who think um, being in this field is is depressing and can be uh, uh, hard. What is your response to to that? Um, I'm asked that question a lot. Mm -hmm. Families will say, how can you do this every day? And I just, I treasure each person, each person that I meet, each story that they tell me. Um, I just find it a privilege to be in their lives. They don't have to allow us in. 
and the fact that they do, I, I've never forgotten what an honor it is to be a part of their lives. And so I don't find it depressing. I, I find it to be very uplifting that they trust us enough to take care of them, to allow these people that were strangers when we walked in the door to see us as their sisters, their mothers, their brothers, their uncles that they are in need of that human spirit, that human connection, and it's a privilege to be able to care for them. Beth, I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. It was definitely a pleasure. I admire and respect all the work that you do. So that's it for this episode of What's Important to You. Before we sign off, if you're practicing social distancing like myself, um, and are looking for something to pass the time, I encourage you to listen to our previous episodes by visiting our website at www.montgomeryhospice/podcast. We have a great lineup there for you. You can also listen to any of our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you like what you hear and want to get notifications about upcoming episodes or new episodes, then be sure to subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in and you've been listening to what's important to you.